Next on Abounding Grace, see what God is up to through the suffering you encounter. God will be glorified, or I should say, God can be glorified through human suffering. We always want it to go away, and sometimes the Lord will just leave it to accomplish it, His purposes. You can jot it down in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, as Paul is crying out for the, the, the reality of this thorn that's in his life. This, this, he wants it out. He cries out three times. It, it's mentioned three times. I think it was many more, but in this season, he's like, I got to just take it away. And the answer from God was, I'm not going to take it away. My grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to take away. I'm going to add something to your life through this. I'm not going to take away. I'm going to add my grace into your life. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for Hey, welcome to another Abounding Grace and happy 4th of July. In a moment, we'll join Pastor Ed Taylor in the Gospel of John. But first, Pastor Ed joins me in studio. And Ed, there's a false teaching that's existed for many years, and it's done a lot of damage. It goes something like this. A person's sickness or suffering is always due to a lack of faith or a sin in their life. But you're about to show us from John chapter 9, that is not what the Bible teaches. So what would you say to the person who's heard this teaching, embraced it, and now is disheartened because their sickness or suffering just won't seem to go away? Well, Larry, I have very, very mixed emotions on this topic, um, ranging from anger at the false teaching to great empathy and sorrow for those that have heard it. And I'm sorry. What would I say to those uh, who have heard that teaching and actually accept it or believe it? I'm sorry that you're going through the pain that you're going through and that you're suffering and that someone has made it harder for you. Uh, We're not to make suffering harder for others. We're to help them with the hope of Christ. And the false teaching of the prosperity gospel is only designed to manipulate and control so that men and women will get money. And it frustrates me to no end because so many are hurting and the Bible couldn't be clearer. We couldn't be clearer on this subject. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will suffer tribulation. I mean, the whole narrative of the Bible from God's perspective is that sin brings pain and suffering whether that be someone else's sin or our own sin. And so I just want to encourage you to believe the truth, forsake this teaching. I know it means you're going to have to stop listening to that person. I know it means that you're going to have to stop uh, giving, supporting them financially. You're going to have to find another church, but please do it for your own spiritual health. And I pray God's help hope and healing into your life. Thanks, Ed, for sharing those words of encouragement. We're going to start off in Ezekiel 18.20 and then transition over to John chapter 9. Pastor Ed first addresses a question you may be wondering about. 
Is there such a thing as a generational curse? Verse 20, the soul that sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Very clear. You're not going to pay for the sins of someone else. Like the penalty of the sins of your fathers are not going to be something for you to pay. Your, our fathers pay for them. Or Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 16. Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. There's personal ownership in our lives. We can't blame previous generations for the decisions we're making today. And, and I'm also thinking, I'm thankful that Jesus Christ breaks that cycle of sin. If you are born again today, no matter what your background is, that is all done with you. It's over. You are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Everything changes when a person is born again. And you may just find that in your life, you start have the opportunity now to go backwards in the generations before you and start ministering to your dad and your granddad and your grandma and those that are in your life, that you, now you become a light in your family. Are you happy that the cycle of sin has been broken? in your life? I mean, yeah, I look at my own life. Now, while I came from a, a very moral family, we're in a very religious family, uh, and I'm thankful that all the morals they put into, my, into me, but, but then I became a dad and a husband and just sold out to sin. And, and that would have been what I handed down to my son, Eddie. That would have been what I handed down to my son, Josh, and to my daughter. That would have been what I did, unless God intervened, and God can intervene and change everything. He has broken the cycle of sin. He has taken the curse upon himself so that in exchange by faith, you can be set free today. No such thing as generational curses. This guy's blind because he's blind. He was born that way. He was born that way. Here's Jesus' answer in verse 3. Well, what is it, Jesus? This or this? And Jesus says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. That's the answer. The answer for the disciples is simply just the word, neither. What a mistake we make when we leave God with just two choices, with dilemmas in our lives. <laughs> you remember the, uh, the early church when they lost the apostle, when Judas committed suicide, they immediately, Peter put some scriptures together and said, you know what, I, I think we need to choose another apostle. We have to choose another apostle. This is what the scriptures say. And they cast lots and, and they chose another apostle. And, and they put it before God, either choose this one or this one. Now I happen to believe that the answer from heaven, if they would have listened carefully, would have been, Neither, because God had something behind the scenes that he was going to choose. You know, there was never an example in the scriptures of man ever choosing an apostle. For example, Jesus didn't choose Matthew and say, Matthew, you choose the rest. Only God chose apostles, not men. Only God chose apostles. And so we know that, and I believe that the, the final apostle replacing Judas was not the choice that we find in chapter 1, but rather there was this guy named, well, at the time of the first, right, in Acts chapter 1 and 2, there was this guy running around against the church. Remember his name? Saul of Tarsus. He was a murderer. God had a choice that wasn't on anybody's radar. And I think we make a great mistake ourselves when we are coming to God in our prayer life and our difficulties and we say, okay, God, here's the problem. And I've been gracious enough to come up with two solutions, God. <laughs> one I really like and one I don't like so much, so I'm going to give you the one. I'm going to give you the good news first, God. Pick A. You've got to pick A, because I think A is it. And, and, you know, if A doesn't work, I'd be okay with B. And can't you hear heaven sometimes say to you, neither. I'm going to do something in this situation that you can't even think of. 
that you don't even have a solution about. You don't even know about Saul of Tarsus. As a matter of fact, when you think of Saul of Tarsus, you want to wipe him out. When I think of Saul of Tarsus, I see him changing the world. And here they are. They only give him two choices. And Jesus very graciously says, it's not neither one of your choices, but instead he's blind because God's going to show himself strong in his life. God is going to be revealed in his life. We don't need to help God out by trying to figure out solutions to the problems in our lives. We don't need to help God out by trying to accomplish things in our own flesh without God clearly leading us by his spirit. I can't help but think of Abraham and Sarah thinking, you know, hey, I'll help God out. This is our choice. We either continue to wait or we got Hagar here. And uh, either, you know, we don't know how it's all going to work. And so they chose for themselves instead of waiting for God to do the work. God doesn't need our help, but he requires our submission. God doesn't need our help, but he requires our submission. And I like that answer. It's neither. It's neither. So with this man's sin, we have the questions, well, why? And what happened? And Jesus is saying to us that the sickness is not the result of this man's personal sin, nor the result of his parents' personal sin. But in spite of this handicap, I'm going to intervene, he says. God is going to intervene and do something so that God will be glorified. This man was born blind so that at this time, God would be able to show himself strong through his life. I couldn't help, as I was thinking through this, I couldn't help of our own dear sister here uh, in Calvary. Uh, Many of you know her from the radio. Her name is Bianca, who also was born blind pretty close to birth. She's been blind. She comes on Wednesday nights and sits right up here up front, and she calls Calvary Live every single show. She has God working in her life. And we, you know, I've talked to her about her blindness before. I've talked to her about the reality. It's very hard for her. It's very difficult. Even if with this man growing up with this handicap, it's very hard and it's very difficult. And it's taken her years in her life to really come to the place where she recognizes that God is using her blindness to bring him glory. She's blind, and one day we'll see. And all along the way, God is using that handicap in her life for his glory, so that, as he says here, the works of God should be revealed in him. You have to think of that in your own life when you start asking the questions of difficulty in our life. Why now, Lord, and why me, and why this? Of all the answers that can, that can come, one of the answers is simply this, that the works of God will be revealed in your life that the works of God will be revealed in your life. Sometimes God will remove the problem. And we're very grateful for that, aren't we? I mean, that's the option we wanted all along. God, remove this. At other times, God will allow us to live with the problem the rest of our lives. He will choose to be glorified by leaving the disability, by leaving the difficulty in our lives. And while we're asking the question, why? And by the way, If you're in a situation right now where the question of why keeps coming up, I don't think there's a problem with you asking that question. Some people go, you shouldn't ask why. Ask why all you want. Express your heart of why this is happening and crying out to God and asking for clarity. Just don't expect an answer as if God's going to tell you, well, this is exactly why I'm doing it. And this is, express yourself. Let it come out of you. Run to the Lord, cast all your cares upon him. But I would suggest, of the other questions that you can ask, you can ask this. Despite what's in my life right now, God, how can I glorify you in it? That's a great question to ask. That's one God will answer. 
You know, God, I've got this, this situation in my life. I don't like it. I don't want it. How can I glorify you through it? God will be glorified, or I should say, God can be glorified through human suffering. We always want it to go away, and sometimes the Lord will just leave it to accomplish it, his purposes. You can jot it down in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. As Paul is crying out for the, the, the reality of this thorn that's in his life, this, this, he wants it out. He cries out three times. It, it's mentioned three times. I think it was many more, but in this season, he's like, I got to just take it away. And the answer from God was, I'm not going to take it away. My grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to take away. I'm going to add something to your life through this. I'm not going to take away. I'm going to add my grace into your life. You're going to experience grace like you never experienced it before. You're going to see how sufficient I am for you in your weakness. You're going to see how you need no one and nothing else but me, Paul. Because this is the truth. The strength of God is made perfect in our human weakness. That's what's happening with this guy. Notice now verse 4. Jesus says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. The night is coming when no one can work. If you like to write in your Bibles next to verse 4, you can just write the word urgency. Jesus lived life with an urgency. Jesus was not lazy. He was not apathetic. He, he used every day to the fullest, abiding in the Father. He recognized, I've got to work because there's coming a day when I won't be able to work on the earth any longer. Night is coming. We've got to work while it's day, church. We need to invest our lives in the things that matter, the things that last. Because if you don't, you're going to come to a point one time in your life, very soon, where you're going to regret all the time that you wasted thinking that there was still another day. I believe the word of the Lord for us at Calvary, and some of you very particularly, is that God has given you spiritual gifts and you are not using them for the kingdom of God. You're not using them. And I don't just mean serving in the church. Obviously, you can do that. But I mean life. I mean, we're talking life here. Your cubicle, your, your truck, your home with the kids, your gifts for the kingdom of God. Jesus is teaching here. He says in verse 5, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And, and, and he's going to be leaving. He's telling them very clearly he's going to be leaving. I'm the light of the world as long as I'm in the world. And when he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. You're reading that and you're like, okay, whatever. He spits and he makes some clay. But you got, can you just think of this 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 true story just from the blind man's perspective for a second he he doesn't have any idea really what's going on he's he's taking it all in with his ears he's taking it all in with his senses so jesus is there they come to the blind man there's a discussion going on about his life which i'm sure caught his eye caught, caught his ear like he there's a discussion going on about his life what's going on with him he's listening in intently and jesus is speaking neither this man or his parents sinned and that's probably relief on the blind man but that the works of god are manifest and he's like wow i wonder what's going to happen i must work the works of him who sent me while it's day the night's coming as long as i'm in the world <sighs> That's somehow how it happened. <laughs> like, it's just out of the blue. I mean, can you imagine? I'm teaching here, and then I'm just going through it, and, and that's what I do. You know, me and Ian are talking in great song. And you're like, bro, man, what are you doing? Or if you heard me not only do that, but... Oh, you know, I won't do it, but... Spitting into the ground. He doesn't see any of this. He just hears it. So, you know, he's, so he, he's, he knows somebody spit. And the very next thing is he feels. 
wet mud in his eyes, on his eyes here. And when you put two and two together, you're like, this dude just spit on me. What are you doing? He, he has no concept of what God is about to do in his life. And it's a very weird and awkward scenario. It, it doesn't fit the mold. It doesn't fit what we would think. And if you follow along looking at Jesus, you, you'll notice that he doesn't heal the same way. Sometimes he speaks. Sometimes he touches. Sometimes he spits. Sometimes he stirs up and makes some mud and puts it on a guy's eye. There, there isn't one way that, are, that, that is used by God for healing. It would, it would be interesting you come up after service for healing and instead of anointing you with oil, we spit. And you're faced with a decision, aren't you? Will you believe or you won't believe? Because if you don't believe, you're not going to see what God wants to do. But if you do believe, you're going to have to accept a lot of things that are very uncomfortable to you. If you do believe, you're going to have to come to terms that God is going to do things not the way that you expect. That he certainly does work that way. It wasn't bad enough that he spat and he made mud in the middle of his talking. So he's talking and then he just spits and he's done talking. And he just goes down almost like he's ignoring the disciples. Comes back up, turns to the blind guy, puts it on there. And the very next thing he says, he just says, go. Verse 7, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and he came back seeing. So up to this point, you just go, go to the pool. Uh, you, you know what you got on your eyes. Go to the pool. He doesn't know why he's going to the pool. He could have washed up right there where they were in the temple area. But he goes by faith. This guy somehow had the faith to believe that he would be healed. That what was happening was going to manifest something from the glory of God. And I believe that God uses a variety of different ways to do things so that we don't start to worship the methodology and keep our eyes on the Savior. You know, whole denominations have been developed over methodologies over nuances, over philosophies of ministry. And it's something to keep in mind. That the disciples could have watched this whole episode and, you know, some of the more, they're all fishermen, so they know how to spit. They could have started the spit-in-your-eye ministry, you know, and just go around and, and you know, some people will be into that. And some people go, no, I'll, I'll wait for another kind of, I'll wait for the kind, gentle, touch me and I'm healed. I don't want to be spat on. I mean, you, you think about it. You think about some of the landscape of the church today, what things are built upon instead of being built upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And I believe that there was a variety because the focus is not on the methodology. Even with Jesus, if you'll notice, there wasn't a focus in his life, in his ministry, upon miracles and healings. And Jesus did a lot of them. Jesus was involved in a lot of miracles. He, he touched a lot of lives. But at the same time, did Jesus heal every single person that he came in contact with? Yes or no? No, he didn't. He didn't heal every single person. He didn't feed every hungry person. He, he, there were people in his public ministry that were not healed. I would say far more that were not healed than were healed. But this blind man was. I think there were other blind people in town. They weren't healed at this time. There were other people unable to walk that weren't healed, able, unable to use their hands. He touched some, but he didn't touch all. Because the focus of Jesus was never miracles. His focus was always people. That the glory of God would be seen. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? They were following Jesus just because of the miracles. They wanted to see the signs. They wanted to be fed. And then in John chapter 6, you recall, and studies previously in John chapter 6, when, when he said some hard words to them and he stopped feeding them, 
It says in John 6, 6, 6 that many of them, many of his disciples left and followed him no more. You want to be careful not to be drawn to a ministry of just all about signs and wonders and miracles. You want to be very careful. Jesus did miracles as he sovereignly chose to do them. I do chuckle a little bit, but I also am sad at the same time when I'm driving through town and I'll see one of the church marquees here, you know, say, Wednesday night we're going to have a healing service from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. As if that's the only time that God can heal at that church, 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock. If you show up at 9.01, too bad. But that is the mentality. Like, that's the only come for a miracle service. Listen, God is doing miracles all the time. He wants to touch your life even now. You know, I think of even guys that come through town. They stroll through town and they rent out the Pepsi Center and, and come for your special healing. I have the gift of healing. But they don't go into Children's Hospital and empty out Children's Hospital. I don't see that happening. I don't see them going down to University Hospital and just blessing and healing everybody. But I do see them renting the Pepsi Center, ripping people off of their money. I do see that. And you go, well, wait a minute, Ed. I, I've seen real miracles. I've seen, I've seen real healings at the Pepsi Center. That's great because God still heals in spite of man's manipulation. That's great. But he heals freely you receive, freely you give. Well, how careful we need to be. Signs and wonders, according to the Bible, should follow believers. They should follow believers. Believers should not follow signs and wonders. Big distinction. Here Jesus is saying, look, this is a miracle. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to do it in a way that's not, you're not going to want to copy this. And I really, of all the interesting churches I've found through the years, you know, there's churches that play with snakes and all kinds of weird stuff going on. I've never, I, I haven't to this day, and maybe you guys will send me an email and go, but here's one right here. But I haven't met one that specializes in spitting in mud for healing. It's not popular. It's not going to draw a lot of people. Wednesday night, we have our special spit service. You know, we, we've got it all set up for you. I mean, I, I haven't seen a billboard like that. Have you? Anybody need to correct me? Go ahead, wait a minute. I happen to have the gift of spit. <laughs> Whatever, you know. <laughs> but this guy's life's forever changed because he believed. Then he saw. Because he could have copped an attitude and go, dude, you just spit in me. I don't, I don't believe that kind of stuff. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm not going to the pool of Siloam. You clean my eye. You know, all the responses that could have come instead of just humble submission. All right. And certainly Jesus' reputation preceded him, and he believed, and then he saw. And his belief led to obedience, led to healing. Listen, all of us will be healed. That's a biblical truth and promise. All of us will be healed, perfectly taken care of. We're going to be healed. We're going to shed, the Bible says, these old human bodies. We're going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ with a new body, completely designed perfectly for eternity. But on earth, we're all going to die. 100% of us. Even if, and the glorious joy of you receiving a healing is only going to give you a few more years before you die. The Bible says that we all must die and then face the judgment. It's appointed once for a man to die. There's even an exception. Can you imagine how cool it was for Lazarus? 
Lazarus was dead for four days. The tomb was sealed, and he started to stink because his body was already decomposing, and, and he was healed. He was resurrected. He was resurrected. He was got brought back to life only to die again. We can't escape the reality of death. Only Jesus Christ, through his finished work, has overcome sin and death. And today he invites you. He invites you to enter into his life by faith. If you believe, then you'll see. If you believe, then you'll see. Today on Abounding Grace, we've listened into a portion of Pastor Ed Taylor's study in John's Gospel. Now, if you joined us late or would just like to give this a second listen, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. And please remember that Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. We look to the Lord to provide and guide. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Erwin Lutzer's excellent book, How to Break a Stubborn Habit, when your decision to change is not enough. This is a must-read for anyone who struggles with getting rid of a nasty habit. Call us now at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or go online to calvaryco.store. Well, from all of us at Calvary Church and Abounding Grace, happy 4th of July to you and your family. We'll catch you back here tomorrow when we'll be encouraged to tell our story to someone. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.